encourage us and challenge us during this last session of advance. Before you're seated, will you join me in praying that his will will be accomplished in this place and that all of us would receive his word. Jesus, we love you today. We stand in awe of your presence, of who you are to us, what you've done for us. God, I pray in this service that your presence would continue to surround us. Let your word go forth. Let it settle in our hearts and our minds. Let us take it from this place and act upon it. Do your word and live victoriously because of it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you may be seated. A Nobel Prize winning poet once wrote, Faith is the bird that feels the light when the dawn is still dark. A famous apostolic preacher paraphrased this quote powerfully when he said, Faith is like the bird that sings in the dark of night because it knows that the sun is about to rise. Are there any early birds? feel like. Um, I'm not a mom yet, but any moms in the house want to say amen to that one? <laughs> um, but have you ever been awake in the middle of the night and heard birds singing? Or maybe you've woken up in the middle of the night because of a bird chirping obnoxiously. It's a thing. Like, not right when the sun is coming up. Not sunrise. No, in the dead, silent middle of the night, suddenly the birds start going crazy. Has anyone ever heard that before? It is, like, nothing is happening at all. Everyone is minding their own business sleeping, but it, this is actually a thing. It's so much of a thing that scientists have given the phenomenon a name. They call it the dawn chorus. Even though the day has not begun, there's no sign of any, any sign that a new day is going to begin. The birds know that the morning is coming, that the sun will rise. Scientists have found that birds do this often during the winter, when the season is about to change to spring, even though it's freezing outside, nothing is green, nothing is growing yet, there's no sign of new life, the birds know that spring is coming. They know what's ahead. It's programmed into them. And I'm here to tell us today, to remind us, that it's programmed into us too. Faith. Faith is expecting that what God has promised to do, he will do. Faith is that tiniest bird sitting up in the tree. The world around her is silent, bleak, and frigid. Everything around her is frozen and dark, but she sings proudly because she knows that in just a few hours, despite the can't-even-see-your-hand-in-front-of-your-face darkness, that the sun will rise. A new day will come. In just a few months, everything that the ice of winter froze to death will melt. Things will begin to grow again. Spring will come. Trees that are seemingly dead and dying have no leaves, no growth. They'll begin to grow again, and they will bear fruit. It doesn't matter that right now everything around her is absolutely frozen, dead, void, empty of anything beautiful or alive. 
No matter how long the night of winter seems, she knows that eventually it must end. Spring must come. That is faith. Expecting that what God has promised in his word to do, he will do. Faith is praising God in the dark, most difficult times of life because we know that in the end, God will have the victory in our lives. Faith is proclaiming that he is good even when I do not see how it will all work out. This morning, I'd like to spend just a few minutes on this subject, the dark side of the morning, the dark side of the morning. In Paul's final words to the Thessalonian church, he encourages them to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why are we able to rejoice always, give thanks always? Because we know that the end of the story, at the end of this life, when the trumpet sounds, we will be raised to eternal life with God. Romans 8, 28, and we know, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We can trust in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Those scriptures are wonderful, but sometimes it's difficult to have that kind of faith. Trusting God can be challenging when your family's unsaved, when your home life is less than ideal. Rejoicing always can feel like a huge struggle when you lose your job and you can't find a way to provide for yourself. Speaking the truth over hopeless situations seems like an impossible task when you can't seem to even um, overcome your own doubt, insecurities, fears, temptations. It can be hard to muster even a microscopic amount of faith when you have prayed and prayed and prayed, and it seems like God just will not give you the answer or the guidance that you're so desperate to receive. Even in our trials and weakness, it is possible. I'm here to tell you today, it is possible to have the kind of faith that will move mountains. This is not my own words speaking. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus told his disciples that even with the tiniest mustard seed, has anyone seen a mustard seed? It is like the size of a grain of sand. With that amount of faith, nothing would be impossible for them. That's the words of Jesus. We live in a world and society that is desperate for something real, for something that will really change their lives. We need life change. They need life change. They need you, the church, you, the church, to have that kind of faith that sees God do the miraculous and tells them that he can do the miraculous, the impossible for them too. We live in a world and society that is desperate for that kind of faith. So how can we build that kind of faith? There are many ways, but I'm going to share two with you this morning. Two ways to build faith. One, borrow it. And two, exercise it. So borrowing faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, can I have some of that? Can I have some of that? You got any extra? <laughs> How does that bird singing in the middle of the night know that morning is coming? Because he has lived many nights to see the dawn of morning. He has witnessed the sun come up again and again and again. And just when he thinks it won't, 
again, it comes up. How do we know that the season's going to change soon, that it will be spring, summer, fall about to be for us? Because we've seen it happen year after year. Even in the Midwest, when you think you've made it to spring and randomly we have snowmageddon, um, but we know it won't last, right? We know that that's not winter all over again. Somehow we'll get through that fluke and eventually it will be spring and summer, right? We know this because we've seen it happen our whole lives. I can count on it because it always has been that way. But what if we've not lived for God very long? Or what if we feel like we're too young to have seen God do many things? Or even if we don't feel like we're too young, maybe we feel like we've really not seen God do that much to have great faith. God understands our humanity this morning. He understands that it's difficult for us when we can't see things or touch things. We can't experience them the way we want to. This is why he gave us his word full, full of testimonies. The word holds story after story of people who tested God, tested him, and saw him come through. Read the word to remind yourself of what God has done for others. It may sound cliche, but check out creation. By God showing us creation, he is showing us what he can do. It's like his resume. He shows us this world, and then he taps on our shoulder and says, I can handle that for you. Like, look at this. I can handle that. It is amazing. But you know what I think is even more amazing than all of creation, that he keeps everything going, that he's the one that causes the sun to rise every morning, things to grow again, seasons to change. What's more amazing to me than that is that he has time to make me go to keep me up, to take care of me, to manage me. That is proof of God's power. So I'm not telling you to go hug a tree necessarily, but maybe go examine it and realize how awesome it is. And that's one thing in a billion trillion things that God has made around us. He just thought of that and poof, spoke it into being. The first way we can build faith is to borrow it. If you feel like you don't have enough evidence in your own life, look around at everything God has created, read his word, everything he has kept turning, kept going, everything he's held up every single day, and then look at your brothers and sisters. Testify to one another. Borrow one another's faith. You never know who's struggling with their faith and needs to know what God did for you this week. Even something that seems small, even a praise report that seems tiny to you, Maybe not like an overcoming moment for you, but someone else might be praying for that exact thing God just gave you. And if you share it with them, you just gave them some of the faith they needed to keep going to the next week. Borrow that faith. If you feel like you don't have it, find a way to get it in his word with each other. Borrow it. Number two, second way to build faith is to exercise it. It's like working out our physical bodies, right? I have the weakest arms. If you want me to pick up anything heavy, you will be greatly disappointed. Um, so if I want to pick up something heavy, I'm going to have to exercise my arms, right? And once I exercise my arms, I can pick up something heavy. But you know what picking up something heavy does? It exercises my arms. And pretty soon, the action of me picking up things allows me to pick up bigger things. Exercising builds muscle. It's a cycle. You keep working at it. You keep using it. You can do more and more. Having muscles allows you to exercise more, which allows you to have muscles, which allows you to exercise more. It's a cycle. If we can gather up just enough faith to test it, just test it out on God, just see what might happen if we give this microscopic amount, he's going to come through. 
When we look around, we observe our situations. We see no evidence that anything is about to change for the better. No reason to proclaim in faith that the answer will come if we will step out this morning and make a proclamation anyways, God will, he will be faithful. Try speaking with confidence. Just see how it goes. Try God. Proclaim it over that situation that you need to see changed. Have you ever heard the phrase, fake it till you make it? This is not that. This is not faking it until you make it. This is speaking when nothing looks like it's going to work out. Because you know what? The worst thing that could happen is that nothing changes, that you're the same. But the best thing that can happen is the thing that is already promised to us in his word, that things will change. You have nothing to lose because you'll just stay the same if it doesn't work out. But it will. It will if we have the courage enough just to test it, just to try it, just see. See what he could do. It'll blow your mind. God will honor that faith that you're exercising, even if it's just the tiniest bit right now. Even if you feel like your tank is on empty, if it's just a drop, God can multiply that. Especially when it seems like you have no reason to proclaim. You must proclaim in faith. Turn with me to Psalm 57. While you're turning, Psalm 57 David does this hilarious but inspiring thing. He exercises his faith in the form of what I'm going to call a pep talk, because that's totally what it is. <laughs> um, anybody in the room talk to themselves? Just me. <laughs> uh, I think we all do it from time to time. Um, so this psalm is like David facilitating a conversation between his faith-filled self and his doubting self. Um, this is him talking to himself. So it's in the Bible. We can do it, too. It's good. Okay, so Psalm 57, I'm going to start in verse 2. So David says things like, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame those who trample me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Amen. And then the very next verse, he says something like, I'm paraphrasing at the beginning, man, but my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. And then he turns right back around in verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord. Among the peoples, I will sing praise to you. Among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God. Above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. It's almost like he's psyching himself up. He's giving himself that pep talk. You can do this. You got to get your head game right. He's telling yourself, wake up. You got this. Don't you remember who your God is? He's so caught up in this situation 
but he's trying desperately to get out. And what does he do? I'm going to proclaim it. I'm going to proclaim it. I feel like I'm in a snare. People are all around me. Their teeth are like swords. They're sharp. They're coming for me. But I've got to wake up. This is what we have to do sometimes. If you're stuck in a situation that seems impossible, claim what you know is true about God. It's here. This is where you find what's true about God. Even if all your prayers are scripture, that's a good prayer. Just find something. When you don't have the words, when you don't know what to proclaim, find the word. Your faithfulness is to the clouds. It goes beyond what I can even see. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Sometimes I'm hesitant to speak boldly. I'm hesitant to speak boldly like this in faith because it almost seems like I'm telling God what to do sometimes. But it's really not telling God what to do. It's, it's being confident that he can do anything. It's speaking in faith and telling God what you believe that he can do. He loves that. He loves to hear that from you. If you're confident in your own word, then you're full of pride. We're full of pride if we're confident in ourselves. We'll stumble. But if we're confident in God's word, then we're full of faith. And we will. We will be victorious in that moment. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of those that believe to the saving of the soul. We're not called to draw back. We are called to believe to the saving of the soul, ours and theirs. When you begin to exercise this kind of faith, even if it's ju just starting out with the tiniest seeds, then you have what people need. This is what people need. People who do not know God, they're surrounded by the same sin and struggle that we are, but without the hope that we have. And it's in the middle of that junk that this kind of faith is needed, you guys. I have an unpopular opinion. I do not want to be relatable. When I'm talking to people, I don't want them to spend the conversation thinking or saying, oh, yeah, me too. I feel that. No, I want them to be challenged. I want them to be stretched and grown. I want them to be inspired by what I say and do. The people in this world, the other students in your middle school or your high school or your college, my coworkers, my unsaved family members, they don't need me to cut off my own legs and join them in their ditch just to make them feel better because they have a friend who's just as broken as they are. But please don't misunderstand me this morning. There will be moments when I need to be the shoulder for someone to cry on. There should be moments where we share our burdens with one another, where we realize that we do share the same struggles. There will be moments when someone else does need to hear me say, it's going to be okay. I've been there. I'm going through that right now, actually. I know what you're experiencing. You're not alone. But do you know why it's powerful for me to say that to them? Because I don't stop there. If someone's down in a trench, it might bring them temporary comfort to look over and see me next to them with my chopped off legs. But it doesn't actually help them get up, does it? If I want to lead, which we're all called to do in some way, and positively influence others for Christ then I can't just be vulnerable and relatable. Those are good things to be, but I must also challenge 
and stretch those around me. The power of the testimony is not where you come from, what you've done, who you've been, although you do not have a testimony without those things. We all have those things. But they are not the power of the testimony. The power is the turning point. The power comes in the moment that you say, but God. The power of faith, the kind of faith I'm talking about this morning, the power of faith is knowing that every story you hear or tell can end like that. Every hopeless situation has the potential to end with, but God. Romans 8:38. For I am sure, other translations say, I am persuaded. I am convinced, you can't convince me otherwise, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all, all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Faith, faith, faith is like living on the right side of the comma. That was the title of one of my favorite messages I heard in high school, and it comes from 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Turn there with me. I'm almost finished this morning. Second Corinthians 4. I'm starting in verse 7. We're going to live on the right side of the comma. You'll see why. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, comma, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Skip down to verse 13 with me. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe. And so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will, us, will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. You notice how they borrowed faith right there? They heard someone say, I believed and so I spoke. That's what they did. So we also believed and we also speak. So we do not lose heart, verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting away, though all of this around us is fading, it's going down. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. We're seeing the morning come day by day. Verse 17, for this light momentary affliction, this blip that is the life here, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I love that wording, a weight of glory. We know what weights are like here. Not usually good experiences. A weight of glory. So heavy, so wonderful, beyond all comparison. Verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen here, they're transient. They have, they have a limit. They have a timeline. But the things that are unseen, the things going on that God's doing, those are eternal things. I may be afflicted in every way, comma but I am not crushed. I may be perplexed. I may not understand what God is doing, why he's allowing something to happen, but I refuse to be driven to despair. 
I may be struck down, but I am not destroyed. Everything I endure and overcome is for the glory of God. It is to grow my faith. It is for the sake of others, for the advancement, advancement of his kingdom. There's nothing wrong with being perplexed. There's nothing wrong with being persecuted. As long as we proclaim what God has done, even if it hasn't happened yet, even if you're in the dead of winter, even if you've been living in a frozen wasteland of unfulfilled promises and you're waiting for what seems like an eternity for deliverance, Colin and I are waiting right now for a promise that we've received from God. Almost three years we've been waiting, but God, God is faithful. And when we have this kind of faith, even if you're just practicing and failing at it every other day, and getting back up and trying again the next day with your tiny little mustard seed, when you're building and you're exercising, you're borrowing that kind of faith, guess what? It's going to bring revival. It's going to bring revival in this youth group, in this hyphen group, in this church, in this city. Because our faith is not just for us. The Bible defines faith as the evidence of things unseen. When we have faith in what God will do, we are the evidence. We are the evidence that he will do it. Our lives are the walking billboard. You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. But we can have faith. And when we do, we will see him do things in our lives. And then others will see that those things happening in our lives. We are showing the world that he is the miracle worker, the way maker we sang about last night. We must display faith to a hopeless world. How will the world know him if we believe we are the evidence? What you may have right now, it may seem insignificant. It may seem dismissible or worthless. Maybe you're thinking, Lindsay, I barely made it to the service today. How on earth am I supposed to have the faith that will help me overcome what I'm facing, let alone help others? Or maybe you're thinking, I haven't really lived that much life. I'm just getting started. I don't really have that much to give. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you're just questioning. Maybe you're just feeling insecurity and discouragement. It doesn't really matter where you are this morning. Because no matter where you are, God can take you from where you are. And he can multiply you. Multiply that faith. When you give God what you have, if you can gather in yourself, the tiniest portion of faith, God can do anything with it. Faith, at its most basic form, is obedience. If we wake up every day saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. I'll be available. Please stand with me this morning. Musicians, you can come. Remember those pesky middle-of-the-night birds? The dawn chorus. One expert observed them and said, you know, early to us, humans, it's just business as usual for them. It's just normal. Everyone around you may be looking at you like you're crazy. Why on earth would you live like you're living right now? Why would you make the sacrifices you're making right now with what you're going through? It doesn't matter. Because living by faith in the middle of a valley or a storm is business as usual for us. That should become our norm. Business as usual. You know what's going to advance the kingdom of God? Do you know what's going to help you move forward in a purposeful way? 
Do you know what's going to give you the courage that you need to go when God calls you? It's the kind of radical faith that makes no sense to the physical evidence that lies before you. But it's the kind of faith that will transform lives. You are capable. Every single one of you are capable of being a prophetic voice for your generation. That simply means speaking the things that are not yet. The people in your school, in your home, in your workplace, God is going to meet you in this place and start something brand new in your life. I believe that this morning. Regardless of whether this weekend has been your very first time in a church or whether you've grown up in this, God wants to ignite something new. God wants to ignite something new in you that will empower you to speak and to do things you've never done before, to step out like you've never done before, to see God do things in you and then through you that he's never done before. And it's a scary thing. But it just takes your obedience, just your willingness. So maybe you need to start over this morning. Maybe you feel like you've messed up. you got to get back to the beginning. Or maybe you're right in the middle of a road. You're doing good and you're trying to live for God, but, man, you're struggling to believe. Maybe you're struggling a lot this morning. God wants to give you a good gift today. If you give him the tiniest bit of faith, just, just try him. The worst that can happen is you're right where you started at the beginning of this service. The alternative is that your life is changed forever and that it keeps changing forever every day. I want to invite you to this altar to give what faith you have this morning, even if it's tiny. Give it to God because he wants to multiply it. He wants to do things in you. He wants to deliver. He wants to heal. He wants to transform your life so that those around you can be transformed. Are you willing to give it to him this morning? With arms raised, whatever I have, God, even if I feel like it's nothing, I'm giving it to you.